Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. and Thank you, Brother Andrew, Brother John, Sister Kim, and everybody here tonight. God bless you. Did we have a time this past Sunday? Yes. Glory. Hallelujah. We didn't just have a one service. We had a one Sunday. I've never seen anything like it. It reminded me of the scripture from the book of Joshua where that the, when, in reference to when the sun stood still, the scripture says there was never a day like that before it. And it reminds me of what we experienced this past Sunday. Three pastors preaching in one another's pulpits and the Spirit of the Lord moved mightily in all three churches and in the morning services and then in the evening service. What a glorious, glorious experience we had in God. I thank you all for your support and for your unity with one another and with our, our friends and family here in the city of Cincinnati, Ohio. Amen. If, if the world is going to know Jesus, they're going to know Jesus through the believers. I saw a great tweet the other day that said there are five gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the Christian. But most people don't read the first four. They usually just read the Christian as a living epistle. So what message are we sending? And we are, we are to send a good message of the good news of Jesus Christ to this world. One that shows his love demonstrated in our lives. So we're going to be teaching tonight. I'm going to begin a series tonight that will carry us through the month of September. Um, and the, the uh, subject that I'm going to be addressing is one of the, the biggest, boldest words in the Bible. And it's, it, it, it's a little scary, the word, when you could first hear it. It's this word, blameless. Blameless. We're going to be talking about blameless. What does it mean to be blameless? How important is it to be blameless? You and I can't go to heaven unless we're blameless. That's daunting. There's no sin going to be in that city. There's no, there's no unrighteousness, ungodliness that will be in that city. So we have to understand how in the world can we be blameless because we kind of blew that already, didn't we? I mean, we're, we're, it's almost like we're looking at this saying, well, what do I do now? Because I'm already to blame for transgressions against the Lord. So we're going to talk about how to be blameless, how to live blameless, and how to, as our scripture text that we begin with from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, how we are preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we'll read verses 23 and 24. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Now that is W-H-O-L-L-Y. So it's referring to completeness. He sanctify you 
completely, totally, wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and your whole soul and your whole body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Hallelujah. And so we receive this word from the Apostle Paul. Now this is a very important epistle. Notice what he said. I just want to throw this in there. It's not really a part of my uh, text necessarily, but I think it's worth noting. Verse 27, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. I'm supposed to read this to, to everybody here tonight. This epistle covers so much that the Apostle Paul said, I charge you by the Lord. And the Apostle Paul didn't say that without really meaning it. There were some times in his teaching that he would write and say, I say this not as the Lord, but by me. In other words, this is my personal preference. He would sometimes preface certain things uh, that he would say to let you know that this is something that I want you to do. And I speak not from the Lord, but from my personal experience. I'm not telling you the Lord told me this so that the Lord is saying this. I'm just telling you this is good stuff to adhere to. But in this case, he does the opposite. He makes sure you understand this isn't just the Apostle Paul Talking, this is the Lord who wants you to hear this. And I charge you by the Lord that you read this epistle unto all of the holy brethren. And so the very God of peace sanctify you completely. I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the goal and should be the desire of every saint of God. To be sanctified completely. To be preserved in soul and spirit and body. Blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know how blamelessness happens. You know, as I said, we have to be blameless. We must be blameless. We got kicked out of the Garden of Eden because we lost our blamelessness. We became blameworthy. We, be, we lost our innocence. And so we were kicked out of the garden of God's pleasure and we were sent out of the covenant of God and we entered into a covenant with death. And that's where blame keeps you. Blamelessness, though, will take you into life eternal. So how do I, who, have, who has already fallen short of the glory of God, I've already sinned. I've already missed my chance. I like to say it this way because I don't think we all together think of it like this. And it's good to hear the, the, just the bare truth of the matter. We've already missed our chance to go to heaven. That, that, is, that boat has sailed. The only hope that you and I have of going to heaven is in Jesus Christ. There is no other way into that glorious city. He is the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Him. And so we must believe that, embrace that, declare that. 
So where does blamelessness occur? For somebody like me who has sinned. Somebody like me who has transgressed God. Somebody like me who has violated the covenant of God. How in the world am I to be seen as blameless on that day of judgment? It happens through the gospel of Jesus Christ. By grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Those sins must be remitted. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Those sins must be blotted out. They must be remitted. They must be washed away. They must be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Or you and I cannot enter into that city. Because without the blamelessness of Jesus Christ, we still carry blame. So when I was baptized in Jesus' name with faith believing... That his blood paid the price with faith believing that his death was qualified to, to vanquish the sins of man and destroy the last enemy that is death. The last Adam undid what the first Adam put into place. I believe that. And because I believe that, I repented of my sins, which means I turned away from them. And I was buried, hallelujah, when I was buried, this old man died. And I rose up out of that watery grave with a new name on my life. That new name, hallelujah, is the name that's above every name. No longer am I seen by the judgment of God as wretched Joel. But now I'm seen as blameless son of God. My Lord have mercy. I'm going to tell you, every time we talk about it, it ought to make us shout. Every time we think about it, it ought to make us lift our voices in song and give God praise for the amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like you and I. Oh, God's good. God is so good. When you consider the fact that I, I belong not just, not just in the grave, I belong in hell. But by the grace of God, he said, you give me all that you did wrong, and I'll take your punishment on the cross. And I'll give you all that I did right, and you can receive my reward in glory. What kind of deal is that? That's amazing grace. Glory to God. Glory to the name of Jesus. And so this is where I receive my blamelessness. This is where you receive your blamelessness. It's not that you, it's not that you have never done anything wrong. It's that you are putting all of your eggs in one basket. You're putting all of your hope in Jesus Christ. You're putting all of your faith on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Hallelujah. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood 
and righteousness. See, his righteousness is blamelessness. There's no blame in him. There's no blame in him. So now all of a sudden I am blameless because he was blameless and I am, I am covered by him. Glory to God. Oh, y'all pardon me just a minute. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lamb of God. Thank you, Lamb of God. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb of God. I don't know what you're going through right now, but nothing should prevent you from lifting up your voice and shouting praise to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Worthy is the Lamb of God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. This is where we receive our blamelessness. So, so notice what the scripture says. We're starting at the end. This is the conclusion that our whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if you go a verse prior to verse 23 and read verse 22 of 1 Thessalonians 5, you see the big problem and the reason why blamelessness is so hard for us to achieve and actually impossible for our flesh to achieve. And it's this verse. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Somebody say, help me, Jesus. Notice he didn't just say, he did not say, moderate evil and he didn't say even abstain from 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 all evil he said abstain from all appearance of evil ladies and gentlemen evil is all around us as you go up and down the streets even in your car evil is everywhere it's on your phone it's in your workplace it's in your it's in your mind, it's in your past, it's in your family, it's in your relationships, it's in your conscience. Evil is everywhere. It's everywhere. And, and there are so many opportunities for the enemy to come in like a flood, so many opportunities for the enemy to try to, to take us down and, and, and expose us to evil. May we never take evil for granted. Look what evil did to Adam and Eve. And, and that was just the knowledge of the good and evil. And look what it did to Adam and Eve. And look what it did to all humanity from that time. So we don't take it for granted. But what I want to bring to you tonight and through this series is that evil is the thing that prevents us from being preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is evil that compromises the Christian. It is the evil of this world that prevents us from thriving, from living, from doing the will and the work of God. And so, so what do I do? How do I, how do I, how do I do this? Many times, our effort is to simply look at verse 22 
and, and do our best to receive this admonishment and simply abstain from all appearance of evil. But the Apostle Paul is not naive and he's not ignorant to the kind of flesh we have. And he understands and he knows that, that if your goal is to abstain from all appearance of evil, then you need to prepare to abstain from all appearance of evil. You can't go into the middle of evil and think that once it gets to a point that will be a threshold, then I will, I will abstain. No, you abstain from all appearance of it. And so how do you do that? There is a way to do that. And, and these verses that precede verse 22, I want to take a little while and teach on them through this series. Verse 16 is where we're going to focus tonight. Because what the Apostle Paul does in order to present us as a whole person, spirit, soul, and body, blameless into the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, he teaches us that we are to abstain from all appearance of evil, but he prepares us to abstain from all appearance of evil before he admonishes us to abstain from all appearance of evil. If you look at verses 16 through 22, you see that the Apostle Paul is building line upon line and precept upon precept. He is giving you the tools you need to abstain from all appearance of evil. And thus, helping you to be preserved blameless. If you're repentant of your sins, baptized in Jesus' name, and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, then you have entered into the blamelessness of Jesus Christ. But the Apostle Paul's concern is that you be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he begins by laying the first layer of foundation to prepare the Christian to abstain from all appearance of evil. And it is this. Rejoice evermore. The next layer. Pray without ceasing. The next layer. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The next layer. Quench not the spirit. The next layer. Despise not prophesyings. The next layer, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. And now you are ready to abstain from all appearance of evil. If you're going to abstain from all appearance of evil with your flesh, good luck with that, Eve. If you're going to abstain from all appearance of evil with your flesh, good luck with that, Cain. If you're going to abstain from all appearance of evil, good luck with that, Judas Iscariot. Your flesh is incapable of abstaining from all appearance of evil. You have to be anchored in the power of God. You have to be blood washed. You have to be filled with the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. You have to be walking in the Spirit of God. If you're not walking in the Spirit, you're not walking with God. Don't think that, oh, I have a walk with God, but I have a hard time walking in the Spirit. Wrong! Walking in the Spirit is walking with God. 
And so this is teaching us. Now we understand and we read in verse 24. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. But remember, he is making whole your spirit, your soul, and your body. So what can your spirit, your soul, and your body, as it is led by the Holy Ghost, what can your spirit, soul, and body do to lay a proper foundation so that you can be prepared to abstain? from all appearance of evil the first thing is to rejoice evermore if you're trying to abstain from all appearance of evil but you're not rejoicing then, then you're going to fall to the appearance of evil the first thing he admonishes you to do is to rejoice Evermore, And you know the Bible is serious about this rejoicing stuff. I mean serious about this rejoicing stuff. In fact, listen to what he said to the church at Philippi. He said rejoice in the Lord. Okay. He didn't stop there. Always. Whoa. That's pretty committed. But he didn't stop there. And again I say. In case you didn't get the urgency of this, rejoice in the Lord always. And on top of that, I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. 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 To rejoice in the Lord is simply, it is actually not so much, it's not an emotional thing necessarily. There is emotion involved. And there's an emotion that results from rejoicing. But rejoicing, we think of rejoicing when we think of, you know, you know, making joyful noises. Or we think, well, well, Pastor, I'm rejoicing because I, I shout and I, you know, I yell my praises to God. And, and all of that's great. All, praise, is, praise is what I do, ladies and gentlemen. And praise is comely to the upright. Praise is a beautiful thing, but rejoicing is deeper than, than, than praise from your mouth. Rejoicing actually means to be glad. And it means to be calmly happy. And it means to be well off. It actually means to be well you got to do that before you can abstain from all appearance of evil. you got to be glad. you got to be well. you got to be well off. Now, don't get scared. I know you think your rich uncle in such and such New York or Pennsylvania, he's the only one well off. No, no, that's not what it's talking about. It means what the lady said to the prophet Elisha when he said to her after her son had died, and he asked her, how are you doing? And she said, it is well. Because I am well, regardless of what is happening around me. I am calmly happy, regardless of the storm that has erupted in my world. I am rejoicing, not just today, and not just tomorrow. But evermore, always, 
And again I say, be calm, be well, be glad. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will be glad, be calmly happy, be well in it. What day? This day. Yeah, but what day is the psalmist talking about? This day. Well, you ask me again tomorrow and I'll tell you the same answer. This day. Ask me Friday and I'll tell you the same answer. He's talking about this day. And when you get to Saturday, he'll be talking about that day. And on Sunday, he'll be talking about that day. And on Monday, that day. Because whatever day you're in, regardless of what's going on in your life, this is still the day that the Lord has made. And I will be glad and I will be well and I will be calmly happy. Now, I know that I just created this impossible picture. And you're thinking, Pastor, I got faith. But come on. There's just some days I'm not glad, well, well off, or calm, or happy. Well, I understand that. So does the Lord. But we have to understand that all goodness comes from Him. Your flesh cannot produce these kinds of things that we're talking. These are miracles we're talking about. My God, have mercy. Don't ever, 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 ever again in your life wonder if you believe in miracles. You just understand you believe in miracles. Because it's a miracle that you are sane right now. It's a miracle that you are well right now. It's a miracle that you are happy right now. You believe in miracles. Know that. Believe that. Understand that. And so, where does rejoicing come from? How do I rejoice evermore? How do I get to the point in my life where I can truly say that I am rejoicing evermore? Well, in the Bible, when you really want to understand something, you need to go to where it was first talked about. So we're going to go to the first place that the Bible talks about rejoicing. It's found in Exodus chapter 18. Exodus chapter 18. Now, we got to get this, ladies and gentlemen, because we have to abstain from all appearance of evil. And we can't abstain from all appearance of evil until we have the proper foundation built in our spirit. Exodus chapter 18, verse number 5. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife unto Moses into the wilderness, where he encamped at the mount of God. He said unto Moses, I, thy father-in-law, Jethro, and come unto thee and thy wife and her two sons with her. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and did obeisance. And kissed him, and they asked each other of their welfare, and they came into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. And all the travail that had come upon them by the way, and how the Lord delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced. As Moses talked to his father-in-law about all that Israel had come through, 
all that Pharaoh had done to them and how that the Lord had brought Israel out of that bondage and rescued them from Pharaoh, Jethro began to rejoice. Let's read on. Exodus chapter 18 and verse 9. He rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. Now Jethro's not like prophet Jethro. He's not Beverly Hillbilly's Jethro, but he's not prophet Jethro. And, and so Jethro is trying to understand what Moses is telling him. But as Moses begins to explain this to him, Jethro begins to realize that, that God has done something good. And Jethro said, blessed be the Lord. Woo. At the report of Moses. Blessed be the Lord. This man, this man is not a Hebrew who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, who hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. For in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. Now that's interesting because the plagues that the Lord brought upon Egypt were plagues that directly, and I can't get into this tonight, but they directly confronted the Egyptian deities. And with each plague, the Egyptian deities who the Egyptians worshipped were completely exposed as fraudulent false gods. And the Lord was magnified and the Lord was glorified. So let's get this picture and understand it. Jethro is Moses' father-in-law. Moses is on this harebrained idea that he's going to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Jethro has kept his daughter and grandkids for a little while while Moses is out in the wilderness smiting rocks, taking down big tree branches and sticking them into water and trying to get the waters to give be good and, and, and edible. And he's asking God to send bread from him, heaven. Listen, Lord willing, should the Lord tarry, I'm going to be a father-in-law one day. Jethro was a little nervous about this. This is your plan? He's interviewing Moses, and he's wanting to know how Moses is going to take care financially of Zipporah. And Moses said, oh, it'll be fine. Bread will fall from heaven. It'll be great. Water will come out of a rock. And I got, don't worry, I got the whole thing planned. And if the water's not good, I'll just stick a tree in it. It'll be fine. So Jethro comes down and he says, How, how's everything going? And Moses gave a good report. And the moment that Moses told him how that the Lord delivered Israel and how that Pharaoh had had a hardened heart and how that he tried to to try to, to, to bring Israel into captivity and tried to stretch out his hand and bring them back into captivity. The Lord delivered them. The Lord delivered them. The Lord delivered them. As he gives this report to Jethro, the Bible says Jethro rejoiced. In other words, a happy calm came over him. He began to be well. He began to understand that I can be glad. My heart can rest knowing that God is in control. And I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. I do not know 
what everybody in this house is going through. But one thing I do know, God is in control. I said the Lord God of Israel is in control. Be well, be glad. Hallelujah. Let the happy calm of the Holy Ghost settle on your soul right now in Jesus' name. Rejoice evermore. Hallelujah. You know what I'm talking about. You know when sin's breakers are dashing and the lightning is flashing and the thunder is rolling and you feel like everything in your world is about to crash around your feet and you don't know which way is up and which way is down and you're holding on to God's unchanging hand and then all of a sudden a calm comes over your spirit. That's rejoicing. Hallelujah. Rest in that. Lay your head down on your pillow and rest. Be glad. Be well. Be calmly happy. Be calmly happy. Hallelujah. How's everything going? The prophet Elisha asks the Shunammite woman. You really want to know? You know, sometimes, thank God it's just a formality. How you doing? Thank God, you know, in the book of etiquette, I've actually read the book of etiquette. Don't ask me why, but I've actually read the book of etiquette. And in the book of etiquette, it says that's just a formality. Don't really answer that question. You just respond with a, oh, fine, well, doing well. And that's what she was basically doing. You really want to know how my, my kid just died. You really want the kid you prophesied into this world just died and is laying dead in your chamber right now. You really want to know how things are going in my world? But no, no. It is well. She rejoiced. Woo. It is well. It is well. It is well. It is well. This is what Jesus meant when he said, before Abraham was, I am. And Abraham rejoiced. To see my day. That meant that the whole way up that mountain, Abraham has Isaac on the with a promised son on the way up the mountain, but he's well and he's glad and he's calmly happy. He knows his world might change in just a few minutes, but he's well and he's glad and he's calmly happy. He's rejoicing in the Lord always. And again, he's rejoicing. He's rejoicing evermore. Hallelujah. Even though Isaac could die. It is well. My youngest daughter, she's not in here, so I'm going to just tell you. Sweet little girl. A lot of times her dad has to travel and preach. She does not like that. She doesn't like it when I have to get on a plane. It scares her. So I was going to have to travel here recently. 13-year-old Sophia, Dad, I don't want you to travel. I don't know what it is. I just, I don't know why I get scared. I just get scared. Honey, it's going to be all right. And you know what I told her? I said, Sophia, hey, listen, listen, baby. Listen, I can't guarantee. I can't. I don't want to say, oh, it'll be fine. And then all of a sudden, it's not so fine. But I told her, I said, Sophia, we don't even live for this world. We pour our heart, our soul, our mind, our body into the kingdom of God. And right now, my grandparents, 
and your great-grandparents are young and healthy and living forever, waiting for us to join them. And so while we might have pain and sorrow in this world, we don't live for this world. We live for the world to come. We talked for about two hours the other night, and I just, I just, just talked with her about the fact that he, he prepared a place for us, that where, where he is, there we may be also. That this world, everything we do in this world has to be for God because it's all going to pass away, and the only thing that's going to stand is what you've done for Christ. And she calmed down a little bit, and I could tell, you know, her little voice was cracking, and throat was I could just I could feel the dryness in her throat as she tried to be strong the next day as I was driving to the airport I got a text from her from school no less it was lunch break and she ran to her phone and she said I love you dad and she said, the, and this is what her text said, the Lord has not given me the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just burst out into tears right then because my little girl learned how to rejoice. She learned how to rejoice. In that moment, she proved that she could rejoice in the Lord always. Fear, yes, but rejoice. It is well, and I'm glad. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Glory. Hallelujah. I, I, I tell you this because I want, I want to begin laying the foundation in your spirit to abstain from all appearance of evil. And if you're just trying to abstain from all appearance of evil, you're, you're, you're not going to succeed. You're, you're going to fall headlong into it. But if you'll take the time to lay a proper foundation, then by the time you get to verse 22, you'll abstain with no problem. You'll abstain through the power of the Holy Ghost. Woo. I said the power of the Holy Ghost will come upon you and do your abstaining for you. But you, you have to lay the foundation. And the first layer Paul laid was in verse 16. Rejoice evermore. So where does rejoicing come from? How do we learn how to rejoice? We learn how to rejoice from, as Jethro showed us, hearing and receiving a good report. A good report generates rejoicing in you. This is why you need to be around people who are giving good reports. Stop hanging around people that aren't talking about God. Stop hanging around people that are talking. And stop hanging around people that are talking about God but doing so with a distortion. Because, you know, the serpent was talking about God. He acted like a, a master of it. And stop hanging around people that are giving an evil report. Or a negative report. Or a fleshly report. Or a human report. Whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. Glory to God. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. You could walk into this building depressed, ready to give up, 
ready to throw in the towel and throw in all kinds of towels. Get a cannon loaded with towels and throw those in too. Just quit, quit, quit. Ready to give up, give out, give in. But the moment you get in touch with somebody who's got a good report, something begins to strengthen inside of you. It stirs up the gift of the Holy Ghost that's inside of you. It begins to move and shake. Hallelujah. That thing that the Lord put in your soul. Hallelujah. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, you need to share your good report. Share it. Talk about it. Tell somebody what the Lord has done for me. He picked me up. He turned me around. He set my feet on solid ground. What has the Lord shown you recently about healing? Talk about it. What did the Lord give you this morning in prayer? Talk about it. What did the Lord give you this morning? A revelation about the blood of Jesus and you never understood it from that angle. Talk about it. Share it. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 30 says that the light of the eyes rejoices the heart and a good report maketh the bones fat. That light of the eyes is referring to a cheerful countenance. This is why when somebody walks up to you with a cheerful countenance and they say to you, God has been good. The Lord, listen, I share good reports. If, if, if nothing good is happening in 2016, I'll share a good report from 1956 that I heard my grandpa tell. If you don't have something good to say, say something good anyway. Because it's, gonna, it's going to strengthen those feeble bones of somebody with whom you are talking. They need that good report because that good report is going to help them rejoice. It's going to help them be glad. It's going to help them be well. And it's going to help them be calmly happy. And as it's coming out of your mouth, it'll do the same for you. I have learned that it doesn't matter what I feel like. Speak the good report. And it doesn't matter what's going on. Speak the good report. Because as I speak the good report... Immediately, I feel my spirit rejoicing and my bones that were brittle and felt like anything that came along could break them. They begin to fatten and strengthen. And I mean, you know what I'm talking, you know what I'm talking about. We call it irritability. Any little thing comes along. Somebody rolls their eyes, didn't know you saw it. Ah, I'm offended. Somebody makes a snide remark. Oh, I'm offended. Your bones are brittle. You need a good report is what you need. You need a good old-fashioned good report from some saint of God. Hallelujah. To come along and remind you he brought me out of darkness. We ought to sometime pass this mic around to everybody and everybody remind us of where you were when Jesus found you. Because I guarantee you, you weren't sitting on a church chair. I guarantee you, you weren't here in your suit and tie looking nice and trying to live for God. You were down and out. You were busted and broke. Your whole life had shattered around you. But God, who is rich in mercy, reached way down into the muck and the mire and brought you up out of darkness. Brought you up out of darkness. 
Glory, hallelujah. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love to hear the saints talk about where they were when Jesus found them. Never would dream. You look at the prodigal son. After he goes back to the father's house, he's all looking sharp. Look like some CEO. You'd never dream that just a few months earlier, he was sitting in a pigsty, eating the food that was left over and thrown out to the pigs. You never dreamed he had wasted everything the father had given him. You would never dream, but something came upon him. The power of God came upon him. He came unto himself. He had a remembrance. He had a reminder of the blessing in his father's house. You hear that report and, man, makes my bones fat. It it rejoices my heart. I, I, I can rejoice in the Lord again. You're hearing the reports of this temporary world and they are depressing you. Even the trial you are going through right now is temporary. You hear me and you bank on what I'm saying. The trial that you are going through right at this moment is temporary. So don't dwell on it. I know it's in front of your face. I know it's it's, it's everywhere you look. I understand. But it's temporary. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold the God's unchanging hand. Rejoice evermore. Glory. Woo, hallelujah. I'm going to lay my burdens down. I'm going to lay my crowns down. I'm going to lay my trophies down. I can't wait to live forever with him and to forget all of the stuff that happened on this earth. I won't let these things derail me from rejoicing evermore. I'm going to believe the good report of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We're trying to help lay the foundation for blamelessness. And blamelessness will come when you truly abstain from all appearance of evil. Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to read. We're just going to read that first verse just because it's good reading. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But I really want to concentrate your attention on verse 2. For by it, by what? By faith. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. How do I get a good report, Pastor? What if there's nobody around to tell me how God cleaned them up, washed them up, shook them up? What if there's nobody around to give me a good report? You get a good report by faith. By faith, the elders obtained a good report. You get it the way these elders got it. You know, the elders who ushered in the apostolic power in the modern day that we are so thankful for. You know, they did that stuff in the Great Depression. You know, America in the Great Depression was a third world country. It wasn't the, it wasn't the, 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 the outstanding 
uh, economic powerhouse that it became in later years. In the Great Depression, the American people went through extreme poverty. But they obtained a good report by faith. So then he begins to describe faith. He said, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. How do you know God framed the worlds with his word? Through faith. Through faith. And you know what? You can mock that all you want, but faith will move mountains. You can scoff at that all you want, but I'm going to hold on to my faith when the world is on fire. So it doesn't matter to me who mocks it, who scoffs it. This faith is precious to me. And the most important thing passed to me in my life had nothing to do with material possession. Had everything to do with faith. Not one material possession took me through one trial of my life, but faith carried me through everything. Glory to God. Listen, not even one family connection carried me through a fiery trial. Faith carried me through. Faith in God. Faith in the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Faith in the power of the Holy Ghost. You want a good report so that you can rejoice? So get it by faith. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. By faith, Noah warned of God, was moved with fear, prepared an ark. By faith, Abraham was called to go into a place and he looked for a city that had foundations whose builder and maker is God. Sarah, through faith, received strength to conceive seed. By faith, Abraham offered up Isaac. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith, Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Finally, he said, what shall I more say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong. Waxed valiant in fight. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead. Raised to life again. Others were tortured. Not accepting deliverance. That they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, sawn asunder, tempted, slain with the sword. Wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. Being destitute, being afflicted, being tormented. Of whom the world wasn't worthy. They wandered in deserts. They wandered in mountains. They wandered in dens. They wandered in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good Report through faith. Receive not the promise. 
They didn't even receive the promise and they saw it afar off and realized they weren't going to receive it on this earth. And by faith, they held on to the good report. And when you've got a good report, you've got rejoicing. Hallelujah. I don't know what you're going through right now, but I've got a good report. Jesus saves. I don't know what you're going through right now, but I've got a good report. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, was the emblem of suffering and shame. How I love that old cross where the dearest and the best for a world of lost sinners was slain. Hey, I can't guarantee you the best and the brightest in this world, but I've got a good report for you. Hold on to the profession of your faith and rejoice, 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 rejoice evermore. Hallelujah. Rejoice evermore. Hallelujah. Sometimes when I can feel the devil trying to depress me, and it is the devil trying to depress you. I want to remind you of what happened when I was, I was one day, I, I was suffering from severe, what would be the, you know, the, the, the technical term, mully grubs. Just, just, no reason, just depressed, just down. Just down. I mean, I'm sure if I looked for a reason, I could probably find some. But, I mean, nothing. It was just, I was, I, I felt, I just felt so down. And I prayed to the Lord. I was just like, oh, God, help me. Oh, Lord. I'm no good to anybody right now. Hope nobody calls needing a Word of encouragement. Because I got nothing. Lord, help me. And finally I realized, not emotionally I didn't, but mentally I did. Emotionally I still felt down, beaten down, trodden, trampled. But, but mentally I knew this is a spirit. Now, I, emotionally, I was fully convinced I was as, as, I was as worthless, I was as useless, I was as, as ignorant as I felt that I was. But mentally, I understood this has to be a spirit. And so I said, God, because of what I know, I believe this is a spirit. So I said, Lord, I need you to reveal to me what I'm dealing with here. And so I said, Lord, if, if this is a spirit, then I want you to let me see it. Wait. Scratch that. I literally had this conversation with God. Never mind. Lord, please forgive me for asking for that. I said, but I do want to sense it. I want to. I want to because I can't. I'm so beaten down right now. I don't know if I could sense if there was a sound from heaven, I probably couldn't hear it. If there was a mighty rushing wind, I probably couldn't feel it. So I need God for this. I need to be able to, to tangibly understand what I'm dealing with. Could you do that for me? I'm just trying to learn here. And I prayed that prayer and I went to bed. A little after midnight, I had a dream. In this dream, an evil spirit attacked me. Put its, put its hands around my throat. 
And it was like a wolf-like uh, creature. And I grabbed its hands and tried to wrestle it off of me. And, it was, and I was trying to wake up because I, I realized I was asleep. And I thought, man, if I could just wake up, I'll be fine. So I was trying to push this thing off of me and trying to wake up. I couldn't wake up. It was pushing me down further into my sleep. Finally, I said, Jesus, and I woke up. And the moment that I woke up, I heard the voice of my adversary physically. And it was hissing at me, and it was, it was whispering the most hostile things. It was hissing them at me. I've never, I've never, I've never heard anybody talk to the way this thing was talking to me. And I wasn't scared because I believe the Lord just put a covering over me. And then immediately I heard the word of God come over that thing. And the Lord said to me, you wanted to sense it. I'm letting you hear what has been talking to you all day long. And you began to believe it. And that's why you were so sad. I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. When you go through periods in your life where, where depression tries to take hold on you, the enemy's going to sit on your shoulder and he's going to say the most hateful, hurtful, hostile things you've ever heard and you won't even know he's saying it. It's on such a different frequency than what you're used to hearing things said that you won't even know that it's the enemy talking to you. And the whole, and the same with temptation. The whole time, he's force-feeding these things into your spirit. And you think it's your own feelings. It's the enemy. And the only way to combat it is to put yourself in the position of hearing a good report. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Hear a good report tonight and rejoice. Hear the good report of the Lord and rejoice. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand to our feet right now. Let's clap our hands and rejoice in the Lord our God. Come on, let's rejoice in the God of our salvation. Let's be glad. Let's be calm. Hallelujah. Let's... Be well in the name of the Lord. Come on, let's rejoice, church. Let's rejoice, church. Everything is going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right. Everything. Everything is going to be all right. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, let's lift up our praises unto him right now. Let's lift up our praises unto him right now. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I am well. I am healed. I am whole. In the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus Christ has washed me. The blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed me. By his stripes I am healed. Hallelujah. His word, hallelujah, is under my feet preparing a foundation for me to walk upon. Hallelujah. His banner over me is love. I am safe in the arms of God. Underneath are the everlasting arms of my God. 
Come on, Jethro, rejoice. Rejoice, Jethro. Don't focus on how bad Pharaoh was. Rejoice on how good God has been. Don't, don't get caught up in the negative report of what Pharaoh did and all that the enemy tried to accomplish. Rejoice in the fact that the Red Sea parted. Rejoice in the fact that bread is coming from heaven. Rejoice in the fact that water is coming out of a rock. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. I believe as we sing here, the Spirit of the Lord is going to move on your heart. Will you let it happen? Will you lift up your hands unto Him and let it happen right now? Can we take a few moments right now and just let the Spirit of the Lord wash over us? Like a cleansing water, just let the Spirit of the Lord wash over you. Hallelujah. Your whole spirit. Your whole mind, your whole body, your soul, just let it, just let it wash over you. Hallelujah. When peace <laughs> like a river attendeth my way. Glory. When sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my life you have taught me to say is well is